0: Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning. It is the 1st of December. Advent calendars, Advent calendars. Hey, good morning and I hope you are well this morning. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. A very good morning to you. So much to get through today. Our last show for 2023, Uh, Susan McDonald will be joining us this morning. We're going to talk with Zorro, Sean Radnich will join us, Emma Bell, who is racing at Durban tomorrow um, in those two big races. She's a Claremont jockey, looking forward to catching up with her and much, much more. It's a big show for you. It's rural Queensland today. Let's get into it. Our last show for 2023, rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. Good morning. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. For the last time in 2023, um, a regular on my show is Senator Susan MacDonald. It's Friday morning, the 1st of December, and I am joined by the Senator who's in Canberra. Well, I mean, I don't know how she does it. Senator, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Good morning, Ben. Yes, we're drawing closer to the end of the year, aren't we? We, and,
0: uh, we certainly are. And
1: it's been a big year.
0: It certainly has. The, the, the topics don't go away. And I, I I always can, and I cannot wait till we get to a point where we're in a good position where we can actually talk positively uh, about things that are going on in this nation. But at this present moment, it is absolutely diabolical. Labor plans from all politicians. I mean,
1: we've got enough of them. We've got, we've got enough of them. We don't need any more, Senator. You could not, you could not um, make this up. uh, That in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis. Uh, and I think that Labor confuses uh, jobs growth with employing more politicians. It is uh, just crazy. They're talking about 50 new House of Reps members, 28 new senators, uh, all the staff that goes along with that, all the new offices, the electorate allowances, the travelling allowances. I mean, I'm, I'm estimating it will be, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars Every Surely year this doesn't to have get more through. More people. Well, th- this is exactly the problem, Ben. That they have the, the numbers in the House of Reps, and in the Senate there will be crossbenchers who are eyeing off the idea of more uh, more of their team coming to Canberra. It is absolute madness, uh, and it is not going to assist lab- uh, assist Australia uh, as we address the really big challenges that we've got ahead of us. What it will mean is there'll be more talk fest. There'll be uh, I can't understand how much money it'll be to change Parliament House to build more offices, more space. it, it is so. How does this go madness. through?
0: How does this go through in all seriousness? How does it happen?
1: Well, they had a uh, a, a committee inquiry into the, the workings of the Parliament and the results of the last election. Yep. and uh, it's the Labor-run committee, and this is the recommendation they, they came back with, is more politicians. You truly could not make it up if you tried. You know, I will do everything in my power to make sure that we don't we do not do this, because there are already 151 House of Representatives members, 76 senators from right across Australia. That's enough. Um, we already have, you know, we've got um, more more members and senators in Tasmania and Northern Territory than their population warrants. Uh, you know, it's up to politicians to do a better job, better quality of politician, not more. It, yeah, it's it's you cannot believe it then. I truly don't know. If this is Labor's idea of fixing the country, then we are in for another very difficult 18
0: months. I've got to say this to you now. I The, the way some of these senators get elected by preferences is embarrassing. Um, we need to get that under control, don't you think, Senator? I mean, we need more people like yourself and Matt Canavan, not some of these lunatics that get in who do not, and we, I don't want to have to even give them the oxygen of airing some of the stuff that they've pulled this year, but some of the senators who control the the thoughts of the nation is scary. So why don't they look at looking at how that system works rather than trying to add more to it because you can tell there'll be people who are like, oh, I can do that. And it's all a hatchet job. It's all a plan. Um, it's the way things could be, you know, the way things could continue, uh, down you, you couldn't dream this. I'm no. concerned about, Senator, their fail on the permanent detention and the High Court now, according to the High Court reasons published on Monday. Now, we've seen even this week – situations go on, which I don't think anybody's happy with. It's a fail on the Labor government on permanent detention of their own making. This is a massive, massive fail. Can you step through our listeners just exactly what is going on?
1: Well, we have had a problem where we've had uh, people in Australia where, for one reason or another, um, we just don't think they're of the sort of character and quality that we want them out on the streets. These are people who have uh, raped children. These are people who have murdered and set on fire their, their spouse. These are people who have done some really heinous things and they have failed the character test and they are in permanent detention because for another reason or, or other, we can't send them home. And so they are in permanent detention. This is something that, uh, uh, that had been a practice for about the last 20 years and it was working. Uh, and it, again, within a very short space of time of coming to government, it turns out that Labor had written a letter to one of these prisoners saying that they, uh, they would be imprisoned and the way they handled it legally opened up this whole legal ru- uh, avenue, which meant that the court said, oh, well, now that you've done that, you've, you've, the whole system has failed and you're going to have to release these, these people. Not only did Labor then go ahead and do that, they didn't establish any sort of regime for tracking these people, for making sure that they wore ankle bracelets. Uh, and instead, they've been living in motels, uh, receiving Social Security money from, again, the Australian taxpayer. One of these people just absconded completely. Yeah, just, did, just, and refused, just to
0: put, refused to put a monitoring system on and just has gone. Completely That's gone.
1: Right. That's so- right. So the government has made it harder for the AFP. They're saying, oh, we give the AFP resources. I'm pretty sure the AFP has better things to do than to be following around people who, who just should not be out. Anyway, so, you know, uh, Peter Dutton has supported the government uh, when they finally came forward with some legislation months after they, they realised that there was a problem. Uh, the, the legislation turned up, you know, with the ink not dry. We've seen this before. Last Christmas, we had the same thing. Another bit of failed legislation. And, uh, and so it was up to Peter Dutton and Michaelia Cash and that team to, uh, write amendments and, and get the legislation into some sort of fit for purpose shape. Uh, anyway, so it's passed now. I'm, I'm very hopeful that that means that these people will be returned to detention, but I don't have a great deal of confidence. Uh, labels, you know, talking all over the shop yesterday. Uh, they they don't seem to grasp how it is to make difficult decisions to set Australia up to be prosperous, to have investments, to have great jobs, to uh, be secure, whether it be uh, local crime or, or something bigger on a federal stage. Uh, there, there is a real failure of basic admin and the capacity to govern. And I've talked to you before about. You know, they've funded the Environmental Defender's Office to challenge uh, decisions that the government makes. You know, either you think your decision-making process is good and sound and proper, uh, in which case it doesn't need to be challenged, uh, or you just undermine the whole system of approvals. I've spoken to so many projects, agricultural, mining, tourist ventures, where they are so bogged in in bureaucracy now because the, the new ministers have come in that don't seem to be able to direct the department there's uh, approvals for the simplest thing yeah. being held up being sent away you know we we need more more answers to this
0: everything um, everything takes time and they they bulldoze and they hide and they and they lie senator <laughs> quickly our great artesian basin is the most You know, it's our biggest asset. You want to talk about uh, the Great Barrier Reef? I think the Great Artesian Basin for the agricultural industry is – it is needs to be preserved, it needs to be managed, and we're doing that. Can you believe from a state state perspective that we're actually even looking at – we're actually looking at Milmerin waste from their power station with carbon dioxide being injected back into the Great Artesian Basin and the state government are looking at it? They're putting our great artesian basin at risk. This is happening as we speak. Colin Boyce has has spoken about it. I know how concerned everybody is about it. This is potentially another disaster waiting to happen in our state and no one wants to talk about it from the Labor government.
1: I don't know uh, what's happening at a state level. This has not come up to the feds uh, because this is something that the state government oversees. You know, I think we've been down this road already. We developed the CSG industry in, uh, in southern Queensland. When you have uncertainty, it makes people very nervous. Bloody and ice. the best thing we can do is make sure that there is certainty to allow, you know, important industries to get ahead, you know, contribute into regional places, to have bakers operating and, you know, maintenance crews and all the small businesses that are supported. It's something that... You know, I've been incredibly excited to see towns that used to have empty shops and kids not able to get jobs. You know, they're, they're thriving in, in uh, Roma and Dalby and Milmarin and those places, which has just been great to see. So the, it is hard being in government, and I'm just not sure that Labor is up to making the hard decisions anymore.
0: I don't think they are as well. Appreciate your time this morning and for the year. Have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you so much for everything that you do on our show. We are so grateful to have you as part of our show every single week. I really, really appreciate your time.
1: Well, I hope everybody who's listening and you have a fantastic Christmas, a great break, a good wet season, and that we come back ready to face 2024 and and it'll be a great year.
0: Good on you. Senator Susan MacDonald, Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning. Uh, it's the 1st of December and we talked yesterday to Andrew Watts about just this phenomenal story about Emma Bell, uh, the Claremont jockey who will ride a horse in each of the finals of Durban tomorrow in the Cup Challenge and the Stampede. Well, she joins me this morning on Rural Queensland today. She's been heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network for many a time. Good morning, Emma Bell. Thank you so much for being with us.
2: Good morning. No worries at all.
0: Uh, congratulations. I mean, I, I suppose it's every jockey's dream to be riding, riding in Brisbane at some point, and you'll be able to doing it representing in, in country races that are in the metropolitan areas. How good's that?
2: Yeah, so good. I think after riding all year and going out west, and then, yeah, like you said, getting to the final on two of my, yeah, favourite horses really, Burden and Kalashnikov, is pretty exciting.
0: So Emma, talk to us, I mean, you come from Racing Royalty, your family is very well known in the bush and whether or not it's all sides, but was that always going to be the pathway for you? Like, I mean, you grew up around it, Was, was that always the dream?
2: I think from a child, I always wanted to be a jockey. Uh, Growing up, watching dad race all the time, going to the races every weekend. Mum rode as well. She was a jockey and then she gave it away and become a trainer. And then dad kept riding for many years. So I think growing up like that, I always wanted to be a jockey. Uh, I was talked out of it because I'm so tall. And obviously, it doesn't help being tall to be a jockey with weight wise. So I was talked out of it at a young age. Yep. And I went to uni straight after school, got two degrees, a Bachelor of Human Movement Science and a Bachelor of Occupational Health and Safety, worked in the mines for about eight years or so, and yep. then decided, oh, may as well give this a crack while I still can and started my jockey apprenticeship.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, how funny is it like, and, and you'd have people like now, you're working in the mines and then people are like, hang on, you are working in the mines driving a dump truck, now you, you're riding Winner's. I mean, that crossover must, like, it, it, some people, people scratching their heads.
2: Well, I never have driven a dump truck, <laughs> but uh, I've been in the passenger seat been yeah. for a few laps. Yeah. Um, I was in the health and safety side of things, which is probably even more ironic. Um, <laughs> and then going race riding after being a health and safety advisor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm still, I just still do part-time at the mine as well. I'm actually at work now. Um, <laughs> everyone's looking at me laughing at me.
0: yeah um, no doubt. <laughs> Emma, what makes a good bush jockey? It's different to riding in the metropolitan you you, you know like in, and riding down there. What makes a good bush jockey?
2: Oh I think um, a lot of the time if you grow up in the bush and yeah. yeah just the people and you can come out there I think if you've grown up in the city they don't really like coming out to the bush they yeah, they like the city life and don't want to get away from it I think.
0: Yeah, how important is it now that you've got these kind of races? I, I I look at it and go, and I've talked many times about just how important country racing is, but the Country Cups, we know all the challenges throughout the, the, the final in Tatsyara Day, and now this Summer Challenge, Country Challenges, they're so big for racing, and, you know, we've got Premier Races. We we know there's Birdsville and there's Roma Cups and, and some of these big races, and Longreach have some, but these big races in Brisbane now How, just for the industry, because people are starting to breed horses purely to try and race them for the big prize money.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I think it's good for the longevity of the industry. And like you said, if horses can't make it at the metro grade, they can filter on down to bush racing out to us. And yeah, it's just a great time of year. Um, You've got people catching up from Mount Isa down, down to the south, all over Queensland. And yeah, it's just a great concept.
0: What's the long-term play for you? You know, you're still working part-time. What what, what does Emma Bell – do you want to be the full-time jockey? Is that it or is it just a bit of both each way and, that, and that's the perfect scenario for you?
2: I think, um, yeah, my age being 35, not really a full-time thing for me, I don't think. Yeah. Um, if I was younger, possibly. But I think, yeah, with a bit of both worlds, I can get money in from racing, money in from mining, and then it just works out good for me. I can live in the bush and are you, well. Are you? Uh,
0: are <laughs> you? I, I. And I mean this genuinely. Are you a chance of winning down there in Brisbane tomorrow?
2: I thought I was until I looked at the weather forecast, which does not look good for Friday. I think they've got predicted yeah, showers mil on Friday. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. So
2: if, if upwards of twenty mil hits, I looked at the um the track was reading a heavy eight yesterday which is not good at all. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, all we can do, we can't predict the weather. But I think, oh, I just looked at it then. They've upgraded it to a soft seven. So if it keeps getting harder, the better my chances will be.
0: Are you? Um, how often have you raced there before?
2: Yeah, I've been down a couple of times. Um, I've ridden Boingo and Jarhead for Rodney Little. Yep. And I've also ridden Necessitas for Billy Johnson in the Country Cups before as well. Sure, so. Yeah, I've yeah, raced um, both there. the Stampede, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, Stampede, the Country
0: Cups, and the uh, other one. Yeah, awesome. Battle of hey, the Bush. Uh, yeah. I just think it's phenomenal. Best of luck tomorrow. Um, congratulations! It's a great story, Claremont girl. Done good. Uh, it is in the DNA, but you're still still doing it. Working two jobs. I love that. Thanks so much for being with us.
2: Thanks very much.
0: Good on you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Can we just talk about the, the Channel Country rally calls for a decision on resource development? Now, we understand how important resources are, but now there are anti-fracking lobbying groups starting to pile on pressure on the Queensland Government to honour its election commitment to protect Channel Country rivers and floodplains from oil and gas before the end of the year. This happened on Wednesday this week when people marched Anastasia Palaszczuk to stop fracking in the Lake Eyre Basin. The Green MPs, surprise, surprise, and the Wilderness Society, they've got involved and locked the gate in the Western River Alliance. Now, look, I understand that there's got to be something done about this. This is an important part of our uh, ecosystem. But uh, the state government can't just go down this road. I mean, they are such hypocrites in everything they do at the moment. The campaign people who are going on about this, the decision for the future of the Channel Country is imminent and we need to make sure it's the right one. We need to protect um, the gas and ecological value system of Lake Air Basin. Well, they're everywhere. Traditional owners and landowners were meeting with politicians, and um, the Western River Alliance coordinator Riley Rocco is saying stop fracking the Lake Air Basin. There is a lot to look at this. Now, Sam O'Connor is the opposition, opposition environment minister and said he will speak at the delegation for the Channel Country region. The LNP accepts the need for more comprehensively protect the rivers and floodplains updating strategic environmental areas. Well, they've just gone and done it. I, I don't think this is going to win. I think the government is hell-bent. They want to protect things that matter in the big population areas. They do not care about the bush. They do not care about the bush. And that's the concerning thing. St George show looks like it could um, needs a new committee or it will not go ahead. Can you believe this? 138 years. And the town is the gateway to the outback. We've spoken to Samantha O'Toole, but their president and long-time committee member, Amity Robinson, says the volunteer-run organisation is facing extinction if people don't step up. The meeting was called for December 19. So for anybody in that surrounding area, otherwise that show is over, is over. And that's the concerning part of it all for everybody um, who's listening to this. There is a lot going on um, and concern I'm really concerned about this as well. Look, it's all being reported now. And uh, I'm sorry, the augathella born Sean Creevy has died following an altercation. Now, this is a very sad situation. He grew up in Augathella and died in Brisbane um, following an incident in Chinchilla on the 21st of November. Sean Creevy, he'd passed away on Monday night. The Chinchilla man, after a 21-year-old, was charged with grievous bodily harm. Police said it happened at 9pm. The altercation occurred at Wombo Street between two men where it's alleged that Creevy 45 was struck in the head and fell to the ground. He was airlifted to the Princess Alexandra Hospital in a critical condition. Passed away six days later. He's very well known and uh, to everybody... No doubt, very disappointed. He was all Godzilla born and bred. He attended primary school there, high school in Charleville and uh, he's very well known. His passion was camp drafting and uh, that's a shocking situation. Uh, Sean Creevey has lived in Rockhampton, Miles and finally Chinchilla and his niece Chloe said he was working in an aged care facility in Chinchilla when he passed away. survived by his mother Gloria, father Joe, brothers Damien and Kelvin and unfortunately Detective Dolby um, upgraded the charges of the 21-year-old Chinchilla man for unlawful striking causing death. He will remain in custody to reappear at the Dolby Magistrates Court. Uh, This looks like a horrible, horrible situation and one that no doubt um, no one wants to see or hear about. Can we talk about fire ants as well? <laughs> like, I know, I, I mean, we try to um, many times talk about their eradication program. Um, the National Fire Ant Eradication Program, Mark Furness throwing his hands up in the air. The government has responded finally saying to claim that the southeast cane grower, that they failed to eradicate fire ants and this three nests was discovered in northern New South Wales last week. Now, the National Fire and Eradication Program is leading the coordinated response across the country and that's all well and good. But to be fair, no one's seen anything happen. You know, We've seen them just completely spread and spread and spread. There is outbreaks throughout southeast Queensland. They've been going and it's been an unsuccessful program. Now, they are showing that there is a program, that they are going to have a program that could be the most successful in the world and they have a idea on how to contain it. The new response plan has unanimously endorsed by the Commonwealth and every state and territory. The Commonwealth and states have already got some input and they're putting some money into it. Well, if Mark Ferner hadn't have been so lazy on this and hadn't have just minimised it, things would have changed. Fire ant detections outside of South East Queensland um, are having to deal with the infestations, the Commonwealth and all the Territory States unanimously endorse this and they're going to get tougher because we don't need fire ants out past Toowoomba. We don't need them anywhere else. I can tell you that now. That is the worst case scenario for everybody. Um, look, good season's are good news as well. And um, I'll tell you this. Um, I got this message yesterday and I'm excited to tell everybody about the muster dog season. Uh, everybody knows that mustard dogs is a great 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 show and season two is about to be launched the much anticipated second season of the smash hit uh, mustard dogs starts on the 14th of january so the day before we come back on air it'll be on the abc in 2022 it was a heartwarming series and now narrated by lisa miller The new five part series sees five Lowell Australian border collies bred from the same litter by champion educator Mick Hudson, sent to five grazing families around Australia who will each try and get their pup trained in 12 months. So there's one, Chilla lives in Gympie and in Queensland and has a handful with three kids under five. Stevie lives in Winton, Queensland, is one of the world's most competitors in the dog trial circuit, winning multiple awards. Zoe is a contract weiner tailor in the Northern Territory. Lily is from Wilcannia and has been training dogs since she was seven on the property. And the seventh-generation farmer, Russ, lives in Tasmania. I'm looking forward to this. I really am looking forward to this. What a, a, an awesome thing. So that starts back. Lisa Miller, um, is, it's, it's all happening. And that release has come out on the 14th of January. So that gives everybody a bit of news, which is going on. And obviously... Uh, making a, a, a lot things a lot more clearer uh, so i'm really happy with that and that's and that's going on i uh, i can't believe the election reform report um, which susan mcdonald was talking about so we, we will have to ha- focus on that but gee whiz things aren't great when when you're wanting more politicians but you know, i mean nothing surprises me at all we'll take a break come back with more and wrap it all up Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, Sean Radnich joins me this morning. The great Zorro, the Mayor of the mayor Shire, he joins me this morning doing phenomenal things. Zorro, good morning. Um, oh, thank you so much for giving me some time. Um, boy, oh boy, you got a lot going on at the moment, mate.
3: Yeah, double. thanks, mate. I appreciate all, the, all our chats we've had all this year and uh, they've been very fruitful. We've had some wins, we've had some losses, but no, nah, mate, it, 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 there is a lot going on at the moment. I think it's just... Um, I think it's all over, uh, all over our great land at the moment. I think there's a lot of pressure on. There's a uh, couple of elections coming up next year, as we as we know, and then. Uh, but obviously, a lot of councils are just angling themselves, doing a lot of lobbying, and uh, just getting them in that space to work with the governments. To uh, yeah, but there is definitely some big issues coming up, and no bigger than that one in the federal part. We won't probably touch it too much, but it's that cost of living, although it's going to really, really be a big thing for us, and especially here in the bush.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. For me, and I look at this and I go, next year is an important year for the rural landscape. But what you're doing in your, your town and, and is fighting for a lot of the regions. I want to start with TransLink. I want to start with getting more flights. You have been, from the beginning, you took Qantas on when no one else would. You have fought and fought and fought with the government over this how do you get more people and more planes landing at Charleville and more accessibility so people can get in and out of your great town?
3: Yeah, we've been working pretty hard, especially obviously with the new contractor. Yeah, I was in Brisbane last Monday, a week, uh, week ago and just, just having those conversations with Week and also the uh, the uh, acting DG of Transport, just to say, listen, we're working very hard here. Councils, especially Maranoa Council and Merway Shire Council have partnered with the contractor and, and capping the landing fees to, so that we could bring those cheaper seats into these communities and we have and it's, and it's worked and it's a, it's a feel-good story for the uh for the government to really jump on that the three levels of um three levels the contractors the local government the state government have come up with a um with a plan and it's actually worked now we need more capacity like we've gone i, I believe it's the, the figures are 82 capa- uh, percent capacity was full at the start of the year in january now we're up around that 94 percent so yeah, you know, geez. When we have got something that's actually working, now we need to work together even more so to bring more seats, and that's our biggest thing for our community. We need more seats. I mean, Maranara is a different level to us, so they're looking for more flights than we are. But we're just looking for a Saturday flight and a later flight on a Sunday. And we're working pretty hard, Dobbo, Translink, and also, as I say, the uh, state government, the DG of um, Transport, to to try and bring that to these communities. But Mate, that's one of our really good stories. When you sort of get that little bit of, um, when you have a little win, you just keep, keep, keep pushing, pushing, pushing and try your luck. And um, we're in that space. So let's hope and, mate, in the next 18 months we can really come up with a pro- plan there and get more capacity. And let's face it, it's not just for us. It's for our livability and our communities to make it more livable. So, yeah, mate, it's been a good one, that one.
0: Yeah, I, I I really think that that's important. Health has been something that you've been banging on as well, and I understand they want nurses there, but, but new hospitals, new facilities, there needs to be making sure that you've got the right facilities in your town and you're doing that.
3: I believe that local government is a conduit to those three. You know, The police, health, education is very important, and we've been working hard with health to bring better health outcomes to these regions. We've got a brand new allied health building going in at the hospital as we speak. Now, as luck would have it, that's going to—it's a demountable building. But we've also got a new hospital going in the Morven. Now, that's huge, Dobbo, And as I said to the minister last week in Brisbane, that these are great news stories, and we need to work on that. Um, our hospital is over 85 years old; takes a lot of money to maintain. It's—it's it's a big project. They're just about to pump 15 million dollars into new operating theatre and birthing suite, and you sort of look at it and you go, seriously—is it worth that money? That's our money, Dobbo. So common-sense approach to it. We need to really look at and work together and try and come up with that outcome. And uh, one of our main goals right from the outset was to get a CT scanner the Charleville to work with the Royal Flying Doctors. 80 years the other day in Charleville. Very integral part. And if someone needs a CT scanner, they're going to fly over Charleville to access that. So Gee whiz. it just doesn't make sense. We've just got to keep working. And the Minister was really great to talk to. Very happy to work with Minister Fenton in that regard. And, yeah, mate, let's see if we can, uh, like I say, which always. I'm always glass half full. We've really got to work together on this and um, bring those outcomes. You've got to have the argument to get that outcome at the end. So we're working in that space, Gobbo.
0: Yeah, I, um, I agree with that. And, and you're getting on top. How have you found the health minister? I, I mean, people have been critical of her. And, and, I mean, David Christopher was critical of her, and rightly so. He's in opposition against her. But she came on this show, and I've never had a health minister come on this show. And she was more than happy to answer any question. I mean, she inherited a basket case. We know that. But for me, I've found her honest. I've found her trying to do her best. She might be out of adept in some areas, but she's at least having a crack. It,
3: it feels as if Minister Fenton's a decision maker. Um, the conversations I've had, I mean, we, we spoke about this in depth. And As I say, I, I always, I'm very privileged to have my acting CEO, Bruce Scott, who's also on that help board with a lot of information, work with our chair, CEO, um, Anthony Brown. But I find her that... I'm with you. If she can't answer it, she'll get the information and come straight back to you. So I, I've found working with the minister so far um, has been rewarding, has been, you know, information's gold. They just can't wave a wand And her. And, uh, you know, we're talking, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars to build a new hospital, but we just got to work in that space. And uh, I, I, Like I say, I, I think she's a decision maker. She inherited a basket case. There is no two ways about it. It's probably the toughest portfolio in the whole government. Um, I wish her well. Um, she's very calm, collected, and, uh, you know, I, I get that impression the same as you have, Dobbo.
0: Yeah, mate, unbelievable, unbelievable what she's trying to do. Mate, housing crisis, every regional town's got it. One, you've got to be able to get the banks. Two, you've got to be able to build houses. Three, you've got to be able to have availability. How do you sort it?
3: It's uh, – it's, who would have thought, Dobbo? I, I remember jumping on council, lucky enough to be on council in 2016 and be a part of the Murray Shire and, yeah, you couldn't give away a house back in two thousand and sixteen to two thousand and nineteen, and then obviously we went through COVID. Now all of a sudden we've come out, coming out, and uh, there is a housing crisis across all of Australia. Um, it, it it is a biggest challenge, and this is our biggest issue we have in the whole of um, whole of Australia. And what it's about is land, and obviously the government to invest. We're very lucky here that um, government employee housing are building nine houses here in charlotte one in Orbitala. So we need to. Yeah, we're just got to keep working with those guys and putting up the argument. Although the biggest thing is they, they've got an ageing stock that hasn't had any work done to it in 30 years. We need those guys to start releasing those houses. This has actually come from the Deputy Premier about two years ago. It was, it was partly his idea. We need them to release those houses, sell, let us put that as into the market, let our younger people that are coming through our communities buy those houses because they can't afford to build. The cost of living has just gone through the roof. But then they build more new houses because that's your biggest issue, whether it's teachers, health, um, police. Seriously, if the people that want to come to these regions, when they come and they have a look at the housing, they just go, well, yeah, I'm going backwards as far as housing standards go. So you need to offer them, if not the same as what they have in the metropolitan areas, but also the opportunity to better themselves in these areas. So. Yeah, it's that's def- probably the biggest challenge we have in the whole of the uh, whole of Australia. I'll say, Dobbo, but I'm very happy. Yeah, like I say, we're still we're working on those. There's been a lot of things happening behind the scenes working with government. Do
1: you
0: think you'll get it sorted, mate?
3: Oh, Dobbo, I think it's um, like I said. My acting CEO has just agreed to stay on until after the um, local government elections in March. He says to me. If you're going to eat an elephant, you've got to eat one bite at a time, Dolo. So it's just one step. I mean, this is not just a Shire problem, this is a whole of, a, whole of Queensland problem. Sure. So when you're working with the state government, you need to, you know, obviously, and, I, and I'll say that, I, whoever gets it, whoever is uh, successful to be in state government next year, we'll be very happy to, you know, those plans that have been put in place. The Western Alliance Councils, we work very hard together to build for the Western areas. So we've got that housing plan. We've got the health plans. We've got that stuff. We're organised, so you can just go there and put it on the uh, the documentation on the table. And I think you need to be organised like that. I'm not quite sure, though. though. It's um, these these are problems, but you just got to be in there for the fight. And hopefully, you have some wins, uh, swings and roundabouts. I think is the good word to use. But mate, I'm hoping so. And it's been a great year, 2023. Um, wish everyone, yeah, Merry Christmas and um, be safe and Look forward to the start of 2024, and let's keep this going, keep the
2: momentum
0: happening. You're doing a phenomenal job. Appreciate your time this morning, and thank you so much for being with us, Uh, Sean Radnich, uh, the Mayor of the Moorway Shire. Have a great, great Christmas, mate, and we'll talk to you in the new year.
3: Thanks, Dollar. I, as always, appreciate the conversations, and you
0: too, mate. Look after yourself. Good on you, brother. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Well, that's it from us here for Rural Queensland Today for 2023. I can't thank everybody enough for tuning in and listening to me every single day. And I'm so thankful for the commitment that my loyal listeners have given me. I love doing rural Queensland today. It's my favourite part of my day. It's my favourite job that I do because I can make a difference for the people in rural and regional Queensland. You are the voice. You are the people that make my job so much easier. There is a lot of people who I need to thank every year, and I probably don't get around to doing it. Uh, I, I want to start by thanking the team at Resonate, the owner, Sally Dobson, and, and Guy Dobson, along with Rex Morris and Carla Morris, who entrusted me back in 2016 with this. But The backbone of this show is done by a bloke by the name of Jeff Speed, who is in charge of the network, who is tirelessly and constantly working. To the broadcasters, to Nick, to Joel, who have been cutting my show and helping me out in the back ways, to Shirley Way, who has been really pivotal in helping and sending me information, Zach Logan, who's no longer with us, but was a phenomenal, phenomenal um, help, Andrew Watts, who has been on this show and has filled in for me many times throughout the course of the year when things are, when I'm not here. Thank you to them. To our sales team of Deb and Laura who who absolutely um, and 100% are always out there hustling and fighting and, and fighting for the brand and trying to get um, a fair crack and slice, thank you to them. Um, and, and to everybody else involved, I'm sure there are people that I have um, forgotten. To our regulars, to Robbie and, and to Susan and, and to Deb Frecklington, they are Constance. Um, We try to share your stories. Not all the time do we get right, but we really try to give the most honest and loyal assessment. All I want to do is be able to, to make and champion you. All I want to do is share your stories and make a difference. And in doing that, hopefully we can see some change. Next year is a council election year and a state election year. So you have the opportunity and it's in your own hands to make a difference. I'm having a well-earned break with my twins and my older kids and my wife. Um, Tonight I head off to America for 10 days with some mates from school and then I'll be back being a dad a couple of weeks at the coast and we'll be back on air Uh, in early January. Uh, I'll give you the exact date because even I myself don't fully know, but we will be back here on Monday the 15th of January. I am looking forward to sharing your stories next year. I am looking forward to being part of everything um, that is important. I really, really, really thank you, and I mean that. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Being so loyal to this show and embracing it, stay safe on the roads. Have a wonderful Christmas, and remember, when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back again next year on Rural Queensland Today from 9 a.m. Bill McDonald will be—you'll be getting three hours of Bill McDonald and whoever's replacing him over the over the summer. So enjoy that, and Rural Queensland Today will be back on the 15th of January have a great great Christmas a safe one a wet one I hope it's phenomenal till next time stay safe on the roads and it's bye from now